right, if you will, tonight. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 22. Revelation chapter number 22 tonight. We have been in uh, our statement of faith, going through our statement of faith for some time now. And uh, we have got down to the portion of our statement of faith on the last days and uh, working through uh, the last days. And by no means have we exhausted any of it, but we are just uh, looking at some things here. Really, I guess, hitting the highlights. We've yet to get into the tribulation period. Uh, that is almost a subject on its own, and we will get there, but we're not there at the moment, okay? Uh, we understand that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we find the rapture of the church, we find the uh, tribulation period, then we find uh, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes uh, and fights in the battle of Armageddon and then we understand sets up his uh, kingdom, what we know as the kingdom age for the millennial reign of, uh, at Jerusalem. But uh, there's a, uh, some things I want to look at tonight concerning uh, the judgment, okay? Uh, now, we look at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in two parts, that uh, of the rapture of the church, and then that when he actually comes and sets down uh, his feet upon this earth to rule and to reign uh, for a thousand years. So when we look at the return of Christ, we're looking at it really in two parts, uh, and we know that when he comes... Uh, for the rapture, he's taking the church uh, out, and when he comes back and sets up his kingdom in the kingdom age for the millennial reign, uh, he's coming back with the church, all right? But we're going to look tonight uh, at this matter of the judgment. Now, the judgment doesn't encompass, encompass everything uh, in that one word. There is the judgment seat of Christ, and then there is the great white throne judgment, and uh, they're not to be confused because they're uh, two different time frames and two different situations altogether. So let's look at Revelation chapter number uh, 22 tonight. And I want to read two verses of Scripture. I'm not going to be in the book of Revelation chapter number 22 tonight altogether. I just want to uh, kind of thrust out into this with this, con with this thought. Revelation chapter number 22 and verse number 12 says, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Look with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 20. The Bible says here, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us now, we do ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we consider verse number 20, I want you to understand this is John. All through the book of Revelation, we see John as he is uh, watching this unfold. This is a revelation. This is a uh, revealing, if you will, to that of John. John, as he goes, as we go through the book of Revelation, is 
is uh, we're seeing things in the Word of God. Uh, It's through God's eyes. The Word of God is through God's eyes, but we're seeing it as it was revealed to John. And so John seen some things, and we find that we have this writing of the book of Revelation because of the things that the Lord seen fit to show to John. But it's interesting because you would agree with me, the last verse or two of the last chapter in the Word of God, obviously we're drawing to a conclusion. And we find all through the, the book of Revelation, it's as John seen it, as John seen it. Uh, and he, uh, chapter 22, verse 1, and he showed me a pure river. The, the John is seeing things. But when we get to the end of chapter 22, we're drawing a conclusion. And at the conclusion of all that John has seen, this is John's attitude, Brother Marvin. He which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. So we find that John understands the Lord will not tarry his coming. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry, right? But here's what I love. He which testified these things says, surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. After all the revelation, after everything that had been revealed to John, uh, John is ready at the conclusion of the book of Revelation for the Lord to come. Now, revelation scares people. There's things in the book of Revelation that causes people to be uh, uptight and concerned about these last days of the last days, the new kingdom age, the diff- a different dispensation, things that people don't know, they get concerned about and they get scared. Can I say to you, John knew, John seen, the Lord revealed some things unto John and even after John had all this revealed unto him, he said, even so come, Lord Jesus. He didn't say, oh Lord, please don't come. He didn't say, oh, Lord, I'm scared. Please don't let this come to pass. After having seen it, I don't think I can bear to go through some of this. That is not at all what John said. John, we understand. Now, you've got a lot of people want to argue about the tribulation. Some want to say that the church is going to go through the tribulation. That's not so. John said, even so come, Lord Jesus. There's not one thing that's going to happen in the book of Revelation that would cause John to say, Lord, please do not Come back. I believe after it was revealed unto John what's going on in the book of Revelation, John wanted the Lord to come back even more after this had transpired than before he had this revealed unto him. I'm going to say this. There's things that I believe the Lord has laid in store for his church and for the people of God that if you knew and I knew and could understand in the capacity in which he understands it, we'd be out here right now begging even so come Lord Jesus. That's why we find in the book of James the, 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 the call to patience, to be patient therefore. And so this is not something to be scared about, but is, it is exciting. John himself concluded uh, and is basically begging for the Lord to come. It must have been some experience, Brother Shane, to have seen this revelation. For him to have been shown these things. Now we read it and looking at, we're looking at this in our mind's eye. But you need to understand something. This was a vision given unto John. I believe he's seen it differently than you and I see it today. And I believe it, it, it inspired him. I believe it was awe-inspiring to him. <coughs> and so after having all of these things revealed unto him, he said, even so come, Lord Jesus. But interestingly enough, what I'm wanting to draw your attention to more than that, in chapter 22, verse number 12, the Bible says, behold, I come quickly. 
Now, when we, when we look at verse 12 and we look at verse 20, what we're referencing right here is we're going back to the beginning of the onset of all that has been seen in the book of Revelation. Now, after it's been concluded, now after the visions have been seen, John is saying, even so come Lord Jesus, but behold, I come quickly and my reward is with, was, is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. That's what John's saying here in verse 20. He which testified these things saith, surely I come quickly. Even so come Lord Jesus. He's not come yet, right? He's going to come. But what we're referencing here in chapter 22 uh, and verse number 12 is the rapture of the church. Come Lord, take the church. I'm glad there's some things that we find in the book of Revelation the church is not going to be involved in. There's some things the church doesn't have to worry about. If the church had to worry about it, John wouldn't be saying, even so come Lord Jesus. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer even if it's worth it on the other end, right? I mean, there's a lot of people just will not suffer uh, for, any, for any purpose whatsoever. And I don't believe John was looking at the church suffering. I believe John is saying this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that I have seen in my mind's eye and I want it to come to pass even so come Lord Jesus. But what I'm interested in here is when we look at verse 12, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And we try to put a time frame. Some people try to, uh, they'll, they'll put time frames on different things concerning these last days that are not altogether so. But I want you to understand that when the Lord comes back, uh, when the Lord comes and raptures the church, we go into the judgment seat of Christ. There's not going to be any uh, time goes by before the Lord gets down to business and deals with what's coming next. All right. So let's look at that for, for just a moment. And uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. All right. We're looking at now what John is saying here. He said, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So we want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we want to look at this matter tonight. (coughs) All right. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we're going to go to verse number 10. All right. The Bible says here, let me go back to Revelation because I'll need to reference this verse of Scripture uh, again here in just a moment. All right. 1 Corinthians (coughs) chapter number 3 says in verse number 10, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation... And another man buildeth thereon. Well, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now, first and foremost, I'm glad that I'm standing and my, my salvation, what I am in the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't based on what I've done or what I accomplished, but it's based on him. No building can stand if the foundation is not solid. And I'm glad that the foundation is solid. I may have to go back to the foundation. I may have to start again, Brother Gene. But one thing about it is the foundation is solid. I never have to worry about what I'm building on. I just have to worry how I build. Amen? All right, so but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Why is that important? Because you're going to find here the Lord's bringing some rewards with him, Brother Marvin, when he comes. He's coming. 
According to Revelation chapter 22, verse number 12, not only is he come, not, is he coming, not, not even uh, is he coming, but he's coming with some, some, some good things, right? Some rewards, all right? So let's look at these rewards. The Bible says here, uh, for other foundation can no man lay uh, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. So, first and foremost, every born-again believer, saved by the grace of God, what you have done or have not done is going to come before everyone that's saved by the grace of God on that day. All right? Now, we're not establishing whether one is saved or not, for we're already, we've already established it. We've established it by the simple fact that you're even, I am even, the church is even at this particular judgment. Okay? And this judgment is not a judgment of salvation as we will find in verse 15 because the Bible said, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. All right? So salvation isn't called into question. Once the Lord comes back and raptures the church, it's a done deal. It's a done deal, right? All right, and so, but we're going to stand uh, in before him in judgment, not of our salvation, for my salvation was based on the finished work of Calvary. And that's where the foundation starts. We're going to look at, though, what was done once we were given that foundation. Now, we've all, if we've been saved by the grace of God, are standing on a sure foundation. For he brought us up out of the horrible pit and the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock and established our goings. We're not in the pit, we're not in the miry clay, but we were set on a solid foundation, that foundation being the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's up to you and it's up to me how we want to build thereon. It's not up to Brother Marvin how I build. It's not up to me how Brother Marvin builds. But it's between Brother Marvin and the Lord, and it's between me and the Lord, and it's between you and the Lord. And one of these days, you are going to have to give an account before the Lord and before the church in which was saved by the marvelous grace of God what you did or did not do with the life that he gave you having been saved by the grace of God. This is coming right after he raptures and takes the church out of this world. Okay? Okay. Now, the Bible says here, uh, now, if any man, verse 12, build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's interesting that fire is synonymous in the word of God with judgment. Now, you and I have escaped the charred walls of the dam. You and I will not have to worry about going into the lake of fire. But it's amazing that fire is still, is, is still present in this judgment, all right? And we're going to look at that more in detail. I don't know if I'll get to it tonight. I highly doubt that I will, but we're going to look more into that matter of fire and why fire is present here uh, at this judgment. But the Bible says here, every man's work shall be made manifest for the, the, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now, isn't it interesting because the Bible said in Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward 
is with me. He brought the reward because he wants to give you the reward. All right? Now, he already knows who's getting what. I'll say that. Amen? He's not, by, he's not taken by surprise. He knows who's going to get what. But he's bringing the rewards with him. So not only is he coming for me, uh, Brother Marvin, but he's bringing some things for me when he comes. You ever noticed how people, when they've been separated for a long period of time, Maybe somebody even goes on vacation and never, not everybody got to go or something. Like they bring a souvenir, they send a postcard, or there's something for somebody, that loved one, you know. You can't bring something back from vacation, Brother Marvin, for everybody you know. But you will grab one or two things for those special someones that you want to give to, to them when you get back and you see them. When he's coming, he's coming with his rewards. All right, and the Bible says here, um, if any man's work abide, verse 14, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about the fact that we can suffer loss. Now, I underlined some things in my Bible, and you can underline these if you want to or if you don't have to, but if you write in your Bible, I, I encourage you to do so. This matter of how he buildeth thereupon. All right, that's in verse number 10 at the end of the verse. How he buildeth thereupon. In other words, how did you do it? All right, there's, a, there's, a, there's this matter of how did you do what you did? What were your motives? What was your motivation to do what you did? But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Not take heed that he buildeth, but how he buildeth. It's not what we do sometimes as much as it is how we do it. The attitude in which we do it. I'm telling you today, the Lord is very interested in the motivation of your heart and the motivation of my heart in our service towards him. All right? Now, uh, the Bible says here in verse number um, 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now in verse number 10, how he buildeth thereupon, we were looking at the motivation. In verse number 13 of what sort it is, is uh, more than quantity, but now we're looking at quality. All right? Now one that's got the right kind of motivation is going to put a little bit more into it than one, one that is not motivated enough. Right? You'll find somebody that does uh, mediocre work is not real interested in the motivation for what they're doing is not there. But now you take somebody that takes pride in their work. I mean, they, they're, they're known for the quality of work in which they do. You'll find the motivation's quite different uh, with those, right? You'll find that if you're doing something for, for yourself sometimes, uh, your quality of work is a little better than maybe if you were doing something for someone else when the, the concern maybe wasn't there like it should be. So we find here in verse number 10, he how he buildeth thereon is, is basically how did you do it? What was your motivation? Verse 13, we're seeing of what sort it is as more than quantity, but now we're looking at quality, all right? And quality is always uh, uh, there or not there based upon the motivation behind the person that's doing the work, okay? So it says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So in other words, if there's quality and there's motive uh, is, is right, it'll, it'll stand, it'll last, it'll be there. 
Somebody that does a good job, Brother Shane, intends on the work that they do to last a while. Uh, can I say that uh, sometimes it's more expensive to get the job done right, right? It'll cost you more. It's more effort involved. You'll find when there's motivation and there's quality, there's more effort that has to be put into it, right? But anything worth working for is worth doing right, right? So the Bible says here, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have the rewards yet? Now, I realize tonight there's things that accompany salvation. And I, I would agree with you that serving the Lord is rewarding. I don't regret getting saved. I don't regret working for the Lord. I, I don't regret the Lord uh, being a part of my life. That's, it's rewarding to serve the Lord. But that's not the rewards that's coming. There's rewards that are coming. He's bringing them <coughs> with him. All right? But how do you suffer loss of something that you haven't received? Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. This is important. The Bible says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So how do you lose what you never had? Brother Marvin, I believe according to the word of God and the context, the way this is written, you will be faced with the potential of what you could have done for the Lord. You will not just be given what is yours by right, for the work and the quality and the motivation of your heart towards that of the Lord. But I believe the Lord's bringing some rewards to show you what you could have had, but now you don't have because of what you did not do with what God had given you. He shall suffer loss. I believe we will see what we could have been. I believe the Lord will show us what we should have been. I believe we will know that day at the judgment seat of Christ what we failed to do, what we did not do, what we should have done, what he wanted us to do. I believe, Brother Shane, he will rewind for us our life as it is and show us where we failed to do for him what we should have done. And I'll tell you today, uh, you understand that, that uh, uh, the, the Lord in the Old Testament, God, you could not look upon God. You understand Moses, the, the Lord hid Moses from the face of God. Why? Because it would have killed Moses had Moses seen the holiness of the face of God. When we stand or are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, aware that when we stand in the presence or we are in the presence and we're before the, the nail prints in his hands and in his feet, and we see the glory. Now listen, you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration how Peter, James, and John witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ differently than they ever had before. And the light shined around about. And I mean, he was as, there was just, it was, it was unlike anything had ever been seen. And so when, when you get in the presence, and when I get in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet, we're going to be more acutely aware of the holiness of an almighty God. We're going to be more acutely aware of the price that was paid for us. Uh, and then we're going to see in our shame what we should have done, but what we did not do 
versus the glory of God and the, the honor that should have been bestowed upon him. See, a lot of times we don't, we can't, we can't relate it to the goodness of God. We might realize we didn't do something that we should have done or maybe we didn't act upon the will of God for our life, but we're not, we're not putting it upside a holy, righteous God and looking at him in the way that we will on that day. Now, when we look at him through the light of Scripture and the Holy Ghost of God deals with your heart, there's conviction. And if you'll read the Word of God and you'll look at the Word of God, the Word of God can keep you from making those mistakes. But I'm saying a lot of times when we are looking at what we failed to do, we're not looking at it in, in regard to the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we will on that day. We will on that day. And we'll be shown and we will see what we, uh, what we should have done. And not only what we should have done, what we could have done. And then what reward we would have had for having done it. All right? So we'll see not only what we could have had, but we'll see all that we've lost. All right? <clears throat> now we consider this matter uh, of, of judgment. And uh, just to back up my statement a moment ago about this judgment seat of Christ not being the same judgment that we find at the end of the book of Revelation, that being the great white throne judgment, I want to contrast a few things. Paul told the church at Corinth in ver uh, chapter number 11, Starting in verse number 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Now you understand the Bible talks about the chastening hand of God in the book of Hebrews. And he chastens those which are his children, right? And so we understand that one can fail to, to do what God wants him to do, yet not be lost, but still be saved. Said, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. What does that mean? That means you and I can do wrong and be judged. And the Bible says, chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So this judgment, this, this idea of judging ourselves that we uh, would not be judged is not the same kind of judgment we're looking at in the great white throne judgment. 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you know that the saints shall judge the world? Now we just find that contrasted here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when the Bible says, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not con, uh, be condemned with the world. So we're not being condemned with the world, but we're going to help judge the world. What's that mean? That's a different judgment all the way around. So the Bible says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the, uh, the saints, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Did you notice that? The Bible says here, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you. What was it the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 32? But when ye are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So we find 1 Corinthians 6 and 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain 
to life to this life. Now, I'm not going to get into this tonight either, but I'll give you a little preview here. The Bible says here that we're talking we're talking about know ye not that we shall judge angels. You're going to find that Satan has angels. Now, we're going to look at that more later. We won't have time to get into that tonight. But you're fixing to find when we start contrasting these two judgments, uh, that uh, times of judgment, rather, uh, that uh, we're involved in both of them, but we're involved in both of them differently. All right? And it's, it's, it's actually quite uh, sobering when we start understanding how we play into this great white throne judgment. Because we understand before the great white throne judgment ever comes how we are in the judgment seat of Christ. We're fixing to not only find out in the first judgment, friend, what we did not do, but in the second judgment, this judgment, great white throne judgment, we're going to find out that we're playing a part in that, that we wish that we'd have played a part differently when we had the opportunity to preach and teach and share the word of God. We'll get into that more. The Bible says in Second Peter 2 and 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. So we understand the unjust is reserved under the day of judgment to be punished. But how are we justified? Romans 5, 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not the unjust. Now, I'm not justified in and of myself, but I'm justified, uh, according to Romans 5, 1, by faith, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of what he done at Calvary. So it's all about what he done. I'm saved because of what he done. Others are saved or not saved by what we are or are not doing. Not that we can save them, but the Lord's waiting upon us, the church, the bride of Christ, to go win souls for the glory and for the honor of God. And I believe it'll be sobering when we find out what we could have done and what we should have done and the results of people that will die and go into the lake of fire that will be wondering and questioning and crying as to why you and I did not take a more uh, prominent role in their life and tell them things that sometimes they did not even want to hear. All right, so having said that, you understand, uh, having read these verses, that there's, not, there's two different judgments uh, all the way around, all right? Now, uh, let's go to Revelation chapter number 4. <coughs> Revelation chapter number 4. <coughs> now, we was talking here. Um, make sure I got the right. Okay, yeah. All right. Now we were talking. Uh, I think when we first started into this uh, lesson, uh, we were dealing with uh, the past and the present and the future and how that is looked at into uh, the Book of Revelation. And we talked about how that uh, uh, Revelation one nineteen gives us an outline of the entire. Uh, book of Revelation. Revelation 1 uh, and 19 says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. 
And so we talked about how Revelation chapter number one was the past, how Revelation chapter two and three was the present tense, and how Revelation chapter four through verse number 22 uh, was the hereafter, the future, all right? That's what we're looking uh, to. And Revelation chapter number <coughs> four and verse number one says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice of which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, we, we look into this future event, and we know that the very first thing that happens uh, after our, or out of the grace dispensation closing out is that of the Lord Jesus Christ coming and calling the church out of this earth, Right? We find that here uh, in chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, the words here that are used are almost like First Thessalonians 4 and 16 when the Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're, we're looking at this beginning of the future events, starting out with that of the rapture. So timeline-wise, this is all falling into place, all right? And we, uh, we understand that. But having said that, uh, we are going to look here in verse number 10. I want to show you something that I find uh, to be very, very interesting. All right, uh, Revelation 4 and 10 says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sit on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And the Bible says, And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. All right, now we understand that Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 16 says, All things were created by Him and for Him. Right, We know that we are here for his pleasure, for his glory, for his honor. We find that in the very opening portions of the book of Genesis. All right, And uh, what's interesting to me, Brother Marvin, is uh, well, we see what could have been, what was, what could have been. And all that's transpired till we get to this portion of the, the last part of Revelation where John says, even so come Lord Jesus. I believe he, he's seeing a restoration of things that is amazing to him. All right? And so we, we and we'll touch on that as time uh, allows us to do that. But I'm interested in these, <coughs> these rewards here. All right? And uh, so having said that, there's, there's some things that we find is happening here. <coughs> Now, let me read to you here. Um, you hold your place in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 10. Let me see if I can find you 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. I want to read to you. If I can find my place here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 5. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number Five, therefore judge nothing before the time of the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. When the Lord looks at the motivation of our hearts for the things in which we did, 
when he brings out the things in which we done. It looks at the motivation of our hearts. The Bible said, we'll make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. You know, there is a well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now, I want you to think about this, how magnificent it would be to have the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to tell you to praise you. Now, we praise our children or we praise our spouse. We praise people for doing a job well done, right? Uh, And we give honor to whom honor is due. What would it be like for the Lord Jesus Christ who died on Mount Calvary to honor you or to honor me for having done what he asked us to do? All right, but we understand that the Bible says here, um, uh, where did I go? I'm done, I done lost my place. First Corinthians chapter number four and verse number five says here, <coughs> um, therefore judge nothing before the time of the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Everything's coming out. The dark things and the things of light. Nothing will be left uncovered. Be sure your sins will find you out, right? All right, so you may hide it for now, but you won't hide it forever. It says here, uh, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. I think about the wasted time. I mean, how how much wasted time? What have we wasted in our lifetime that you and I can't get back. Now see, we, we can do a lot of things. First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but it don't bring the time back. It won't change the wasted time. It won't fix the wasted days. It'll allow us to take today and move forward, and I thank the Lord for that, but knowing what time I've wasted ought to promote and, and ought to stir up within us that we waste no more time but that we get diligent about doing all that we can. Now, you say, well, preacher, I'm saved. 1 Corinthians 3 and 15 says, yet so is by fire. The Bible says, but he himself shall be saved. What's the big deal? I'm not going to hell. See, we get conceited and think it's all about us. So what if you're not going to hell? What about the one that went through hell for you and for me? See, when we get before him that day, it won't just be going, well, boy, I'm glad I missed hell. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to stand before him and go, I'm missing hell. You'll be awestruck by the fact that you're missing hell when you get before the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be acutely aware of the fact that you deserved hell. Now, we were acutely aware of it when we got born again. We got saved by the grace of God wanting to escape hell. But when we get before him, we'll know for sure we deserve to go there. Then we're going to be wishing that we hadn't wasted all that time. Because the Bible says worthy is the lamb and greatly to be praised. And so we get before him and we don't have anything. I can't imagine the shame. I just can't imagine the shame. Has anybody ever done something for you? Listen, listen, have you ever done something for somebody? Now let me ask you, have you ever done something for somebody that you thought would appreciate what you've done? I mean, you really went out of your way. You've been over backwards. You, you went above and beyond what the normal person would do to try to show love and care and concern for somebody or do something for them and watch the fact that they squandered it or felt entitled to it or, or, or brushed it off as if it wasn't anything. 
it hurts you. <laughs> It'll hurt you. And I'm going to tell you something. That's exactly how the Lord feels when you and I brush off what he done for us. When we just take it for granted that we're saved and on our way to heaven. And we do take it for granted. We do take it for granted. All right, so <clears throat> having said that, let me find out where I'm at here. The Bible says the four and twenty elders fall down before him, verses Revelation 4 and 10, uh, before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. All right? Now, uh the believer will realize his unworthiness in his service for the Lord. And we'll, we're going to realize, too, our many excuses are not. All right? But there's some things that are interesting to me because we know the Lord's bringing back rewards with him. We know that we're going to stand or be before him at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to suffer loss for the things that we did not do. And for those things that we did do, we'll have a reward. But there's something that's happening here following. Now, re remember uh, Revelation 4 and 1 here. We're looking at the very beginnings of the future in the timeline of the book of Revelation. The Lord's coming back. But now we're finding here in verse 10 that something's being offered to the Lord. What? What's being offered to the Lord? The Bible says, um, and cast their crowns before the, Lord, before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Let's, let's look at some crowns in the scripture tonight. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 9 and 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So we find that there's a crown that's incorruptible in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Then we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? We find a crown of rejoicing. We find here in 2 Timothy 4 and 8, the Bible says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. When he comes and he brings his reward, guess what he's bringing? He's bringing some crowns. He's bringing some crowns. Now, uh, you understand gold, silver, and precious stone represent worth, monetary. Monetarily, right? That, I mean, it's worth uh, great value, monetary value. All right, so, so let's look here. It says, Second um, Timothy 4 and 8, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but at all them that love his appearing. Finding James 1 and 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, let's look in 1 Peter 5 and 4. The Bible says here, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory 
that fadeth not away. Now, is it not interesting tonight that we find the Lord's bringing some rewards with him? We find in 2 Timothy 4 and 8 that uh, the Bible says here, henceforth there is let it from me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. When he comes, he's bringing some crowns. All right, now this is important. Because we understand that in Revelation 4 and 10, the elders are already seated in the heavens, all right? And it, it, these, these represent the saints of all the ages, Brother Marvin. Now, we're looking at many ages. From Genesis to Revelation, there's many ages. These, these, these are representatives of the ages. Now, look, look, look here. This is, this is mind-blowing. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Why did these elders of the ages cast the crowns at the Lord Jesus Christ? Because worthy is the Lamb. When we don't have anything, because we did nothing, and we're at the judgment seat with nothing to offer the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be a very humbling and sorrowful experience for those that have been born again and have accepted the grace of God. But here's what I find interesting. Now, we know that, that there's a conclusion to all this. We're looking at the first portion of the second coming. That is the rapture. When, he, when we look through the hole in the sky, he comes from the heavens and he calls the church up to meet him in the air, Right? We go through this judgment seat. Then we understand that there is a seven-year tribulation period. Then we talked about how the, the Lord's going to fight in the battle of Armageddon. And then we understand the Lord's going to establish his uh, reign uh, in the city of Jerusalem on the throne of David uh, in the kingdom age for a thousand years. Right? And as we consider that, I want you to notice what happens in Revelation 19... When the Lord comes back, see, he comes back for the church the first time in the beginning of the second coming. Then the second part, he comes back with the church, right? But look what happens. Go with me to Revelation 19. We'll wrap it up tonight. Revelation 19. <coughs> All right, Revelation 19. Now, we understand that the heavens open up when he comes to rapture the church, right, Brother Marvin? Now, what happens here in Revelation 19 is the heavens are going to open up again. This is when he comes uh, and he fights in the battle of Armageddon and he brings the church with him and the beginning of the establishment of his throne or his reign. It says in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 19, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, uh, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire. Now notice this. <laughs> ah, he's king of kings and lord of lords, right? Now let me ask you a question. If I give you a crown, Brother Marvin, how many could you wear? One. I wear one ball cap at a time. I'd look stupid with two ball caps on. Some would say I look stupid with one on, but I definitely look stupid with two on. What are you saying today? I'm saying... He comes with his church proud to have his church with him. Why? Because we find that the representatives here of the ages have thrown the crowns 
at his feet. Worthy is the lamb. Greatly to be praised, right? We find here he says, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and, the, uh, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in the righteous he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. When he comes back with the church, he's coming back in all of his glory and everything you and I done for him will be represented upon his head as he comes back King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Only the Lord can wear that many crowns, friend. But he's coming back arrayed. Now listen to me. Notice what we come back in. The Bible says, uh, let's look here in verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were uh, in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. What are we clothed in? We're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Why? Because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. He took a black heart, washed it in red blood, and made it white as snow. And we're clothed in what we're clothed in because of him. But he's clothed in what he's clothed in because of us. And I'll say this, friend, I don't know how many crowns he'll have on his head, but I'm afraid that he'll be missing some that day because of what I did not do for him. And if you want the Lord, friend, to be arrayed in all of his glory, after we're going to come back arrayed in all of ours, you better do something for him while you've got the opportunity. You can't fix wasted time. You can't fix wasted days. But you can do something today. And you can make sure you don't rob him, friend, of any of the things that belongs to him. Because when he comes back that day with his church, he'll be arrayed in all of what we've done for him. We'll come back wearing what he's done for us. And he'll come back wearing what we've done for him. Boy, it'd be awful for us to come back looking better than he would, wouldn't it? And we won't, but I'm saying he can look a lot better, friend, if we'll do more. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this study in the Word of God. We thank you for the truths that you show us in the Scripture. Lord, these are amazing Scriptures. This is an amazing chapter, amazing book, Lord, in the Word of God. Lord, I don't know everything about it for sure. I don't. But Lord, I'm like John. The more I read it, the more I see in it, I see even so come, Lord Jesus. How exciting it's going to be, Lord, to see all the things that you have laid in store for those that you love for those that you've saved, for those that have been born again. Help us, Father, I pray as we go out into this work week, Lord, to, to, to do what you'd have us to do and be ambassadors for your cause, Lord, and, and that we'd go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Lord, we'd do some things, Father, that, that you can reward us for, that we can offer back to you, and we might say, worthy is the Lamb and greatly to be praised. You're precious, you're wonderful, we love you, we magnify your holy, sweet, precious name. Thank you for loving us and taking good care of us, for caring for us, Lord, and doing for us what no one else could do, for saving our rotten, wretched souls. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen.